Lord, we just pray for strength. I pray for strength uh, for these next minutes as we uh, jump into uh, the word and, and try to understand a little bit better how we can respond with lives of faith. And I, I pray for my friends here and, and uh, ask, Lord, that you would just open our hearts to the things that you want to say as we've been singing and thinking about this unique way in which you, you, we want you to speak into our lives about ways that we can grow and so and go in faith. And so we pray for that very thing. Uh, so bless us uh, as we listen. Help us hear your voice above all other voices. Uh, let the lessons from the scripture come out loud and clear, we pray in your name. Amen. All right, so it's Super Bowl Sunday, so I've um, been trying to kind of gauge a little bit today. So Bronco fans, you're rooting for the Broncos to win, raise your hand. Okay, uh, uh, Panther fans, commercials and good guacamole at the party fans. That one wins almost every, it's won like uh, uh, two out of three times today. And I think in my last, uh, I don't know how many years, I think it's like 90% of the time, uh, it's always guacamole wins. I don't know, maybe when the Rams come here, you guys will, it'll be a little different, but we'll see. Uh, I, one of the, the faces that you see if you watch football, one of the commentators, a guy named Tony Dungy. And Tony uh, used to be a former NFL coach. And in 2007, he led the Indianapolis Colts uh, to uh, the Super Bowl win. And Dungy had a strategy of how to lead his team. His, his strategy was all built in fundamentals and the basics of teaching his team to, to react. He trained them in the basics and then the idea was to learn to just to, to, uh, have faith in the system and then learn to react to the situation. And they'd be successful in the regular season, but when they got to playoffs, they began to doubt the system. They began to kind of uh, doubt the, the, the tendencies and, and kind of go their own way and they would fail a lot of times in the uh, playoffs. Uh, many, uh, if you know him in his story, you know that he is also a, a tremendous family man, man of faith. And uh, in 2007, his son passed away. And when his son died, uh, it, it, was, it was kind of a, a crystallizing moment for the team. They, they really rallied around their coach. And uh, for the first time, they even talk about there's this way in which they, as they came around their coach, they, they just decided that they were going to, to stick with his system. They really focused. They started to believe like they hadn't believed before that they could play uh, according to his vision. And in that year, as they were compelled according to his strategy, they were, they were in essence kind of obedient to his ways and they, it led them to success all the way to winning the Super Bowl. And it's an interesting kind of illustration of faith and obedience, of believing something and actually doing it. And, and one of the challenging things that we're seeing as we think about what it means to have faith, have daring faith, is that it has to move past mental and intellectual and, and hypothetical to actual action. You actually have to live in it. You actually have to do the things that you feel called and being led to do. And so uh, one of the things I want us to do this morning is I want us to go back into Hebrews 11. I want us to look at, at uh, last week we jumped in and we, uh, it's interesting, uh, uh, Dungy, I think last night, I think it was last night, he got voted in the Hall of Fame. And uh, we started last week, we said Hebrews 11 is kind of like our Hall of Fame. It's a Hall of Fame of faith. It's these stories of all these people who, uh, men and women who live these incredible lives of faith. They set for us a, an example of in some ways how we can ourselves learn uh, lessons about how to live a life of faith. And so this morning we're going to look at one verse in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 7, that's going to help us kind of see a little bit about what it's like, uh, learn about faith through the life of Noah. 
And Noah had faith. He trusted God and he obeyed. And that, that theme comes out over and over again in that story. Now to help you, uh, we're gonna look at one verse together. And we're gonna, uh, the sermon will come out of that. But to do that, let me set it up a little bit by just reading the beginning of the story of Noah from Genesis uh, chapter six. It's, it's a, it, this is a tough story. Uh, in fact, I remember we used to have kind of like Noah, Noah's Ark kind of in our kids' room. And the more I got into the story, I, I'm like, eh, it kind of took the Ark down. And it, it was kind of, you know, was, there's a lot. There's a lot of God's grace in the story. And there's a lot of, man, people are awful in the story. And, and in all this, we realize that this is a tough, a tough story to go through. But in this, we want to see the unique way in which God shows his favor and his grace. Grace finds Noah. And as grace finds Noah, ultimately that grace gets passed on to us as well. And so we, I'm, uh, it'll be up here on the screen, but just follow with me from uh, Genesis 6. We'll get kind of a sense of, of the story. Uh, starting in verse 5, it says that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And every inclination of the thoughts of, human, of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe them from the face of the earth, the human race I've created, and with them the animals and birds and creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted, it, corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all the people for the earth is filled with violence. Because of them, I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make for yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside inside and out, and this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make, and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the, the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah trusted God and so he acted. He, God commanded him and so he obeyed. And so this kind of helps us see our big idea for today. Here's the big idea that we're, we're going to look at is that daring faith requires obedient action. Daring faith requires obedient action. We're in week three thinking about what it takes to develop this kind of daring faith. And, and uh, what we want to see today is that daring faith requires, if it's going to be real faith, it requires obedient action. 
And from Noah, we'll, we'll see it. You, you, you got to move past it being just mental, just intellectual, just hypothetical. It has to move into real action. So if you haven't done so already, turn to Hebrews eleven seven, 7, uh, page 12, 12 in the Bibles in front of you if you need one. Turn to Hebrews eleven seven, one verse. But through this one verse, we can see uh, four quick things that I think will help us think about developing daring faith. Hebrews eleven seven. And here's what we read. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Okay, that one verse, but let's break it down. You'll see four things. The first thing is that through daring faith, we believe it before we see it. We believe it before we see it. We trust that it's true, even though we don't have visual proof yet. And so you see that in verse 7. Notice, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, he believed it even before he saw it. Noah was asked to believe something, uh, even though there there was no rain. Even though there was no storm watch, and even though there was no El Nino watch, there was none of this stuff happening. In fact, the scripture says that it took him about a hundred years to build the ark. So all through that time, there was never any sign. It's, it's one thing if it's pouring rain and someone says, hey, build an ark, that'd be a smart thing to do. It, it, that, it's all there, but there's no signs of any of that for him. And yet he's called, he's asked to do something and he believes it before he even sees it. Now, why does he do this? What, what makes someone have that kind of faith? And I think the hint to, to that kind of faith was what we just read in Genesis 6. I'm going to put one verse back up on the screen. But I think Genesis 6, verse 9, if you want to write that down. Genesis 6, verse 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. But notice this phrase. We saw this last week. And he walked faithfully with God. He walked with God. God. We saw this last week with Enoch. He walked with God. Is there a hint? Is there a clue of why this kind of faith develops in us? I think what we're starting to see is something that this is, it's, it's about walking with God, trusting God because we're in relationship with him. In fact, in some ways what we see with Noah, it reveals kind of this, this kind of great either or uh, about our faith. See, it, it, I, I think for us, either there is no God and everything is meaningless Or there is a God, and if there is a God, then nothing should be more important than our relationship with him. And maybe the reason why we're not developing daring faith is because we just kind of dabble with God, a relationship with God. We kind of tinker with it. We kind of, we give it a little bit of attention, but it's it's kind of a hobby. It's kind of a, it's part of our profile. It's not really, it's not the essence really of who we are anymore. I think about uh, uh, this, you know, imagine if your, your marriage was, was built this way. It was, you didn't have this kind of extreme view of this, okay? So Justin and Ryan, as you prepare to make your vows, and Ryan basically says to you, Justin, here's what, I, here's what I, I'm going to vow to you. I will give you one hour a week on Sundays, and I will give you my complete attention. Except when my, my fo- except in football season, because sometimes, sometimes my team is playing, and you know how it is, it's my team. Like, I got to be there for my team. 
right? You don't want that. You want, you want something more, right? So, uh, Kim, you want Louis to be all in, right? He, he, he that part way, not, not hours, not, he's got to be all in, all, it's all or nothing, right? You, that's what you expect, right? There's no way that a marriage relationship has much hope if all we're going to do is kind of pass by as ships in the night. We're going to kind of hang out together. We'll maybe talk to each other if we have time. But if there isn't some sense of priority to it, then we realize that that relationship is going to disintegrate. What if in some ways we started to pull back and say, maybe the reason why my faith isn't developing is because I, I just don't see it as being one of those things where I'm, I'm really willing to give everything. And, and I, I want to give everything to this, this relationship. I want this to be the most important thing of all the relationships in my life. I want this one relationship, my relationship with God, walking with God to be the most important thing in my life. Because everything else then is affected by it. Every decision I make, every relationship I'm in, Maybe the key to us believing before we see it, our faith developing, is that we, we learn to walk with God. And, and that walking with God becomes the most important thing of all the things in our life. The first thing that we see in, in Noah is this. He believed it before he could see it. But beyond believing it, he obeyed it. He didn't just believe it theoretically, he did something about it. This is the second thing, is what we see through daring faith. We obey because God asks us. We obey because God asks us. Noah obeys. He does it. He moves on the things that God calls him to do. He pursues the call. As you look through this whole uh, uh, idea, look at, again, look at verse 7 again. It says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, notice the next phrase, in holy fear built. Circle that word in your Bible. He built an ark to save his family. He, he moved. He did something about it. Now, that, that phrase, holy fear, is interesting. It's only used this one time in the Bible, and it's, it's kind of an interesting idea. It's not... It's not uh, uh, fear as in being afraid. It's, it's this awe and reverence. But the idea is because of the awe and reverence of who's asking it, that you would you'd pay, you'd give certain attention to detail out of that sense of awe and reverence. In fact, don't we see that in the story? This is the idea that in this story that he, he gives incredible uh, attention to all the detail of all the things that God uh, asked him. This is, husbands get this because this happened to me on Thursday. My, my wife was going away with her mom for a couple days and a special trip. And so she gives me that list of in, instructions, right? It's in triplicate. It's like three pages long. I've got to sign it at the end. But she's like, look at me, look at me. Okay, I'm gonna, this is what's got to happen. This is going to happen. So when I come back, the kids are alive and bathed. Okay, so there's attention to detail. And I sit there and I, I uh-huh, yes, dear, yes, dear. And, 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 we, and the hour before she comes, we bathe all the kids and when she's ready and hand them back over to her. But that attention to detail, that, that, that holy awe. Think about this, this, this boat that he has to build, this ark. Now let's put it in perspective this way. You're going to watch, if you're watching the football game, this will give you some perspective. It's 450 feet long. Okay, that's one and a half football fields. It's 75 feet wide. That's about half a football field. It is 45 feet high. So when the kick goes through the goalpost, it's the goalpost plus another half. So you've got, a, you got a, a boat that is one and a half times the size of a football field. It's four stories tall. That is a big boat. That is a lot, that is a lot going on right there. There's no Home Depot. 
There's no Google to, to download blueprints. There's no power tools to speed up the process. And the Bible says it takes them about 100 years to do this. This is an ongoing, long obedience by him. He didn't just say, I, I believe you, God. Day after day after day after day after day, he walked in that obedience and showed his real faith. So what about you? It's week three. You're starting to hear stuff. Are you starting to walk? One of the reasons, this whole, this whole journey of daring faith is we want you to hear God. We want you to put position in your life where you will sit before God and you will let him speak into your life. That's why you get that little bookmark. And on the back, we hope you're writing some things down that you think God is saying into your life. And the life group and the devotion and the sermons and all the different pieces, all so that you will hopefully listen to God. You'll give him his attention, your, your attention and you'll walk with him. But as you hear those things, are you responding to the things he's saying? Some of you are new to us, and, and uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Beach Point has two campuses. So we have a, our Fa- Fountain Valley campus here, and then we have a Huntington Beach campus. Uh, that's almost a year old. It'll be a year old in, in March. And uh, uh, Ken is our, our pastor over there. He's our, our lead guy, and he, he preaches and does all the services over there. Uh, but Ken and Carolyn, uh, this, the primos, they're, they're a wonderful couple leading it. Uh, when Ken and Carolyn, they, Carolyn grew up in our youth group here. She was part of our youth group and uh, she went to Pepperdine. And there, that's where Ken and Karen met together. They fell in love. They decided to get married. And as they were getting ready to graduate and get married and kind of begin life, uh, they got a call from God, an invitation to come and, and be on a pastoral staff in Hawaii. And you're all like, oh, tough call. You go be a pastor in Hawaii. That sounds really difficult. Look how young, Ken looks exactly the same as like 10 years ago, that baby face. But, but it's an interesting call. I, I know it sounds like, like, oh, please, God, call me to Hawaii. I'll, I, that would be a, a, I'll, I'll have daring faith for that. But Here's what they knew. The salary that they were offered was about half of what uh, someone, uh, a college graduate would get. They they were offered no, they couldn't get any health insurance. They had no job for Carolyn. They had to sell their cars. They had to take all their wedding gifts and put them in storage. Uh, And basically they said when they looked at kind of the numbers financially, it made no sense for them. It didn't feel safe. But one thing was they just believed that God had called them. They couldn't shake the idea that God was inviting. This was God's invitation. And so while the numbers didn't quite add up to them, they got on a plane and left. They moved. They walked into it. Now what they'll tell you is it was fascinating that once they began to walk into it, once they walked into the call, that God began to take care of those other details uh, God provided for them. Carolyn uh, was given a nanny job. And through this nanny job, they got health benefits. And through this nanny job, they were given a car to drive and a two-bedroom condo to live in. And so all of a sudden, God began to provide all these needs, uh, taking care of these things. And they will tell you simply this, that, that uh, the two years that they were there were two of the most remarkable years of their life. They stepped out, they obeyed, they went in faith, even though in some ways they were scared to death to do it. They stepped out, they went in faith, and as a result, they say God just did incredible things in their lives. Now, I would tell you, man, Lord, you blessed us through that. 
not only did Ken mature as a pastor, but he learned about church planning. He learned about how to start a new church. And so it was interesting when the door opened for Ken to come here, it was a tremendous opportunity for us to take him in. And Ken really became a coach in a lot of ways. We knew he was the guy. If we were going to plan a new church, that Ken was the guy to do it with. And so God used that in many different ways. He was thinking, it seems in some ways that God was going to use that very thing for us as well. And so is God calling you into something maybe that doesn't make sense? It, 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 in some ways he's saying, can you, can you believe it before you see it? Can you walk in it even though I haven't totally laid out all the details yet? That all the details are coming, but I just need you to go on what I'm, what I'm telling you today. The, the, here's the reason I'm telling you. And if I'm telling you to do it, will you just trust me? And then all these other things will come with time. But right now, all I can give you is my word. I need you to do this. Maybe it's like Ken, and maybe it's a calling. It's a detour in your life. Maybe it's doing something a little different than you thought you were going to do, and you realize that this, this, I just feel this sense of calling. I just don't know what to do with it, but it seems like it's God who's calling me. I know for some of you, you've had the courage already in the first two weeks. Uh, we're hearing the stories that uh, some of you have taken that step. You've gone on a Monday night to celebrate recovery or you've, or you've called in the office to say, hey, can you help me get, find a Stephen minister? And you're taking that step because you're in this kind of tough season of life right now. But you, you realize I, the step of faith is I got to make a call. I got to show up on Monday night. I got to do that next step. And that first step is often the hardest step to take. But in that first step, you begin to experience the reward and the blessing and all the things that come from it. We obey because God asks us. And we obey because God asks us. And often what we don't realize, this is the third thing I want you to see is this, is that God asks us that through daring faith, we, we often impact those around us. We impact those around us. We step out in faith. We act in obedience and our lives, our life of faith impacts other people. Now, Noah, we see it happen in a couple ways. You see it in verse 7. You see two things that happen. One, he saved his family. And two, by his faith, he condemned the world. Now, these two, two separate things, but we have to think about this. One, first, Noah saved his family. In fact, if Noah would have just believed it internally and theoretically, and I know it's true, but he never did anything about it, his family would have perished along with everyone else. But the fact that he actually did the thing that he was called to do uh, brought rescue to his family. But also, he became a testimony to the world. This world that was in rebellion, there was this, this long period in which God was very patient to be able to send a testimony to the people around him uh, that, for them to, to, to repent. Now, we see it in the book of Jonah. In fact, in the book of Jonah, the same thing. There's no warning. It's just destruction is going to come. But the king decides, based on that warning, that he will repent. We should, let's, let's repent. Let's turn to God. Maybe he'll show mercy on us. And God does show mercy. And as a result, Jonah says, you know, God, I knew you were going to do this. That's who you are. But through all this act, there's a sign of, of all the things that God, of, of, of his holiness and his grace at the same time. When we act in daring faith, we become a tool in God's hands to impact others. Now, you have to know something. Sometimes it takes a long, long, long time to see the kind of impact your life of faith will have. 
Ask anyone who's ever worked in middle school ministry. Uh, they, they know that to be true, right? It, it is, it is, it's hurting cats. Like you just don't think, you're just happy to get out of there alive. And you just wonder, I, there's a, a great guy in our church, a guy named Dale Hensley. And Dale used to work with me in middle school ministry. And, and uh, as we'd work together, he'd say to me, uh, he had, a, he had a, a group of guys that were just very trying. And he would just say, Bill, I just want to, I want to hug those kids. I just want to. I just want to get my hands around them and hug them. And I'm like, Dale, just be patient with them. Like, I, I know it. You're, I, trust me, your, your hard work is going to pay off. And uh, he just would care for these guys. And it, it was, it's fascinating because we talk now about it. And he'll say all the time, you know, those guys, I'm just amazed at what God has done through those. They're now young men. Like, they're leaders in our church now. Uh, and, and one of those is Brian, who was leading you in worship. Brian was one of those middle school kids uh, that Dale wanted to hug. And, uh, uh, but you look at a guy like Brian now and see just what a great leader he's becoming, this young man, and, and, and how excited we are for, to see him. I, I just want to encourage you, sometimes you don't see it happening right away, but to know that your life of faith impacts those around you. But it also impacts your life. Here's the last thing to see is that through daring faith, we receive God's reward. We receive God's reward. You see that in the very last line of verse 7, that he became the heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. He became the heir of righteousness. An heir, you know, is someone who gets rich through somebody else. It's someone who inherits riches that someone else earned. And and, and in fact, so the parents work hard and the kids receive it. And none of us can kind of point fingers at anyone because we are all heirs of righteousness in Christ. Christ did all the work for us. He went to the cross, as some call it, the great exchange. And as our sin was placed on him and he took our sin upon himself, he gave us his righteousness. As we stand before God in Christ, uh, we are blameless, spotless, innocent. We, he sees his righteousness and not our own. And, and, and it's nothing that we've earned. It's just something we've received by faith. And Noah looked at God and he said, I don't see the rain, but I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to trust you because I trust that there is reward for me. Do you trust that as you step out in faith, in daring faith, that waiting for you is God's reward. Him and what he has, what he's entrusted to you. We've been talking about growing and sowing and going, and maybe you have your bookmark even there at the bottom of your page. But I want to just, as we close, and then we'll have a moment to pray, I just want you to think about those three areas for a moment. Uh, We're asking God, God, help us grow. We're asking God, help us grow. I know some of you know, maybe as you're starting to walk with God through this process, he's bringing to your attention things and ways that you just, there, there needs to be change. There needs to be something different. Maybe it's to start something or to stop something or, some, or something. Maybe there's a promise he wants you to get to. But going the direction you're going, you'll never get to that promise. And so he's calling you. He's saying, come with me. Come with me in this path. Trust me. And he's not saying, get to that promise. And when you get there, give me a call so I know you arrive safely. He's saying, no, I will go with you. Come with me to this promise. But to get to that destination, you're going to have to change your direction. Look, if you get in your car today, and you start heading north 
on the 405 freeway expecting to get it in San Diego. I, I'm telling you, unless you plan on circling the earth, it's not happening, okay? Sometimes we have to change our direction to get to the destination that God has intended for us. Are you listening? Are you walking with him in, in a way that you, he can speak into your life? Will you trust him? Will you follow him? Will you today, will you step out, step forward, take the step of obedience, the first step you know you need to take to live towards that, to move towards that promise? God, help us grow. We've been saying, God, help us to sow in faith. This idea of being radical with our generosity, and we know as a church we're, we're at our best when we're generous. We do incredible things both here and around the world. But generosity is one of those concepts, right, that it, it, we, it, we all connect with it with our head. It all makes sense. We all in our heads want to be incredibly generous people. We all want to change the world through our generosity. But when it actually comes down, the rubber meets the road, when we actually have to, it actually costs us something, it's hard. It's really hard. I know for Kim and I, one of the things that we've been thinking through and preparing for our commitment on, on March 6th, we're going to invite you if, to join us and to make a commitment. Uh, uh, we, we think there are some great kingdom objectives that we're working on, and you can find more about it in the, in the Daring Faith Packet. But we, we're inviting you to make a commitment and to join us. Uh, but the staff and the leaders of the church are going to go before you. We won't ask you to go anywhere and make any sacrifice that we, we ourselves are not willing to make ourselves. So the staff will go before you. And on the 21st of this month, the staff and the leaders of the church are, are going to make our commitments. And so we've been preparing. We've been talking through things. And we're trying to figure out how, you know, look at things, but also to think through it and pray and ask God, Lord, what do you want from us? And one of the things that's making me less fearful and more excited about it is I'm believing before I see it. I'm believing before I see it. And what I mean is this, that uh, if you come here on uh, some mornings, you'll see what seems to be a crazy man walking around the property talking to himself. Don't panic, it's probably me. Um, but what I do is I walk around the campus and I pray and I walk in some of these spots and I begin to thank God in advance for what he's going to do in the spot. And so I can stand over by the kids area and I can say, Lord, right here, we're gonna have a new patch of turf and a playground and all these things. And I'm so excited. Lord, thank you that our kids are gonna have a safe, cool place to play and new families are gonna be coming here and I'm I'm thanking God in advance. And I'm circling around the little HB trailer and it looks really strange to probably our neighbors. And I'm just like, Lord, you're going to do some awesome stuff in these next two years uh, with our Huntington Beach. And more and more as I'm, I'm kind of believing it before I see it, I just know that God wants to do these things. It's, it's, instead of, of how much it costs me, I'm looking at what great opportunity it is for me to invest in these great things. And so I want to encourage you, this whole process as you go through this, we don't want to manipulate you. We don't want to force you. We want you to have a God encounter. And so on pages 11 and 12 in this book, it kind of instructs you a little how you can pray and how you can think and how you can try to listen to God and walk with God through that commitment. I want to encourage you, don't miss out on having that kind of God experience. It's scary. Some of you, this will be the first time you've ever done something like this. I remember because I didn't grow up in church when I first started doing this, when Kim and I first started doing this, it was, it was scary. But then it became more and more exciting as we began to see and understand all the different things that God was going to be able to do through this. We've been asking God, God, how do you want me to go in faith? How do you want me to go in faith? When we go in faith, we impact other people. Uh, hopefully a lot of you realize this, that you have in your life 
uh, what we call 8 to 15. It's really strategic. It's code for you have 8 to 15 people uh, that are in your life. They're people that your coworkers, your teammates, your classmates, your, uh, they're, they're people that uh, you do life with, your neighbors. Uh, they're people that you realize that God seems to have supernaturally, strategically placed in your life. And we just encourage you to keep that list of 8 to 15 people around you, constantly praying, constantly asking God today, Will you give me an opportunity to impact my 8 to 15? Whether it's just praying for them or, or encouraging them or being present or serving, however it is. But we want to be a sent people back into the world. This is, uh, faith is dynamically personal, but it's not private. And we want to be, have our faith impact those that are around us. And as you guys have done that, you've seen the way that lives around you are being changed. And so I want to encourage you to continue to think about this. High school students, you guys leave in what? Five days. It is not too late. There's still one more person you all can invite, right? There's at least one more person you can all invite. You can all try. You can all figure out. Don't, don't take advantage. Don't miss this great opportunity, camp. You know how dynamic camp is. Don't miss that chance to invite one more person. Until that bus leaves, do not give up on any person. And when that bus leaves then focus in on camp. But until that bus leaves, you never stop. We literally one time pulled the bus up to a guy's house. Went in his house, got him, told his mom, we're taking him to camp and we put him on the bus and he had an awesome camp. So I'm not saying do that. I'm just saying until the bus leaves, it really, until it gets on the freeway, it's, it's not over. Keep praying. I think of my neighborhood, one kid, one kid in my neighborhood who felt called to go, he invited 21 of us here. And now I think of, there's all these families. It wasn't just that a bunch of high school kids got it affected, but now we've grown up in faith. And now our families are, have grown. And it's like there's generations that, are being, that have been affected by one kid's faith to go to his neighborhood, to reach out to his neighborhood. One high school kid had the faith to go. And now generations of family are affected. Some of you will be called, like Amy and Eric Fields, they were called, they were, uh, Amy was a college student. She just felt a call to God to go, to go and wound up going to a, a, a place, a people in, in Niger. And there, was no, there were no Christians there. There was nothing, there was no faith, there was nothing. But she, she could believe it before she could see it. She knew, she knew the, that around the throne there would be those from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So even though there was no evidence of any bursting church, any evidence that faith would work here, she knew that God was up to something and God had called her and so she went. And her and all these others that have gone since, this whole team that's reaching these people, now we just get these, we get these amazing stories all the time. Every time they go out and share the gospel, there are people coming to know Christ. Where there were no Christians, there's now hundreds of Christians in, in a very hostile region where they have to worry about being actually persecuted for their faith. Incredible things that happen. She believed it. Some of you, it's like reading these letters, it's like reading the book of Acts all over again. It's amazing stuff. And some of you will be those kinds of people. We've been praying. You'll hear more about it next week. But we're praying that some of you will hear that call. You'll get up. You'll give your life to something bigger than yourself. You'll give your life like Amy did, like Eric did, and like so many others have done. So let's pray. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Where do you want me to grow, to sow, and to go? Maybe ask this, Lord, have I just been dabbling in all this? Am I just, am I just playing games with you? 
Am I not taking this as serious, this relationship as serious as I need to? High schoolers, don't wait till camp. Don't wait till camp to decide, like, it's time to turn it up. What about right now? And where you're struggling, where your faith is struggling, remember that the simple prayer of a, of a dad who really wanted to see Jesus perform miracles in his life. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And if that's your prayer this morning, don't be afraid to pray that and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And does he have permission this week? Can he put you in a tough conversation, a tough situation? Say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let's take a moment to pray and then we'll sing.